Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Heeves. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast, where we are here to become better habitat managers. Guys, I'm your host, Jared Van Heeves. Thanks again for coming back to the Habitat Podcast for a great episode. We have a unique one. This is the first time I've ever recorded a podcast from inside of a deer blind. Now, not just any deer blind. It's actually located in southern Michigan on the Back 40 hunting property that you've heard a lot from. Mark Kenyon, Wired to Hunt, the Meat Eater Crew, uh, NDA, National Deer Association, now owns it. Meat Eater donated that property to recruit new hunters here in southern Michigan uh, to the NDA. So I was invited down. We uh, got up in a blind myself, Mr. Chad Thalen from the NDA, and also from um, Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty and Auction. And then we had another guest with us, uh, Mr. Brad Harper um, from Harper Growing Solutions, discussing all things foliar fertilizers. So very cool episode from inside of a deer blind on the back 40 in southern Michigan, And I cannot wait to bring it to you here tonight, guys. Now, speaking of the NDA, National Deer Association, formerly the QDMA, there is a raffle going on right now for guns. Um, It is a a gun-a-day giveaway for August. So the whole month of August, the NDA is giving away one gun per day. And there's only a thousand chances, a thousand tickets being sold, thirty bucks a ticket, um, and we have the link in the show notes below. So we're helping 
drive some funding, some donations, a chance for you guys to win some guns from and to the NDA. So where this is all, you know, that Back 40 project, the meat eater uh, property down there, now NDA property, is used to recruit new hunters, and you'll hear about that in this episode here. So let's help support that group, you know, the NDA, by this gun raffle here. It's being put on by the Southeast Michigan NDA branch. You guys have heard from Corey Francis on here a bunch of times, the branch president. Um, friend Drew Gilby, he's on the branch there as well. And, guys, it is a great, great fundraiser. 30 bucks for a ticket. You have a chance to win a gun every day in August. So that link is below in the show notes. Just scroll down on the podcast you're listening to now. You'll see the link. You can buy your tickets then. Um, if you're anywhere in Michigan, I have tickets here too uh, at my house. I can meet you somewhere. I can help support. We're just trying to help raise some funds for NDA here and, and get some more hunters in the woods while giving you guys a chance at a bunch of guns. Now, I want to thank uh, you know the listeners who have been leaving some good reviews on the Purple Apple Podcast app on your iPhones. All you got to do is find that purple square that says podcast and look up the Habitat Podcast, hit subscribe, and you can scroll down and write a review. There's a little purple icon, write a review. Um, this one here is from Matt in eastern Kansas. I am an avid food plotter slash deer manager from east central Kansas. I love the podcast and implement much of what I learn while listening. Thank you very much, Matt. Be sure to hit us up at info at habitatpodcast.com. Send me your information. I'll get you a free 5-inch Habitat Podcast decal. Next, we have one from username DLB7193. Great mix of content. I thoroughly enjoy listening to this podcast. Always a great mix of guests and topics that cover everything for land managers. Thank you, username DLB7193. Please be sure to send us an email at info at habitatpodcast.com for that free decal. And one more here, guys. It never gets old reading these. It's just what keeps us going. It's, it's awesome. Here's one from Jake. Jared and Brian do a great job of interviewing their guests. After listening to the Bill Winky episode, I'll be an active audience of this podcast. Thanks so much, Jake. We appreciate that. And just, you know, all the all the reviews you guys are listening, it puts us up there, guys, in, in the wilderness category of the podcast and really helps us find new users. Um, when people search for habitat-related podcasts or food plots, you know, we're popping up thanks to the reviews that you guys are leaving. So, you know, if you, if you don't mind, take two minutes, scroll down, hit that leave a review link, and you can do that. It's also in the show notes. And uh, Or if you want to support the podcast, head on over to HabitatPodcast.com. You know, there's hats, T-shirts, so you can leave a review up there. We posted a brand-new blog article on there in our Habitat Journal from um, Hunter at the National Wildlife Cooperative. You're going to be hearing more from him and uh, some working together on some stuff there, too. So that's all at HabitatPodcast.com. We're just very thankful uh, for what you guys do for us. And we'll, we'll keep pushing out the free content every Thursday for you all. Now, I want to thank Realtree, United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty, and Auction for supporting this podcast. Chad has been flying through listings faster than, you know, I've ever seen. As soon as something is listed or even prior to being listed, Chad has a buyer, has multiple people walking it. So feel free to reach out to Chad. Um, his logo is on our website at Habitat Podcast. You can find him on Facebook. Um, He's in plenty of podcast episodes. He's been on two or three of them, maybe even four of them now. 
he's a wealth of knowledge. He's a stud of a habitat manager. I learn stuff from him every time I talk to him. And just, you know, be sure to check Chad out. If you're thinking about selling your property, now's a great time, obviously. And then uh, if you're a buyer, you know, be sure to get on the list for when he does have something pop up. I also want to thank Packer Max Colt Packers, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Killer Food Plots, HuntWise, and Morse Nursery. All right, guys. If you have not thought about a land plan from the Habitat Podcast crew yet, check it out. It's at HabitatPodcast.com where we can come out and consult your property. We're still adding more to the list this year. Um, We're going to cut it off, but we're getting some interest, and we want to help you guys out. And uh, so we have one in uh, Indiana coming up. We have one in Virginia coming up um, and another one in West Virginia. So feel free if you're interested, hit us up. We'd love to talk to you, you know, get you get you quoted out and see if you're interested and uh, understand what your goals are and help you improve your habitat and your hunting. Now, without further ado, let's get on to it with Chad Thalen, Brad Harper, myself, in a deer blind on the back 40. All right, guys, we are rolling. We are out here on the back 40, southern Michigan. I have my good friend Chad Thalen and a special guest today, Mr. Brad Harper. How you boys doing? Doing good. Doing good, thanks. Of course, of course. Let's hear um, where you guys are from real quick, and then we'll get into the property and why we're out here today and, and kind of what that all means. So... Chad, we've heard from you before, but give us the rundown. Sure. Yeah, Chad Thalen from Stony Creek Outdoor Properties and uh, Realtree Land Pro. Uh, also the uh, Michigan State Habitat Coordinator for the National Deer Association. And, uh, yeah, I'm helping to manage this uh, newly acquired property that uh, Meat Eater Inc. Uh, donated to the National Deer Alliance Association. Sorry. NDA, yeah, no, this property is uh, donated to NDA, um, so that's that's pretty awesome. And and Brad, let's hear, uh, you know, where who you are, where you're from, all that good stuff. Yeah, Brad Harper, Harper Growing Solutions, um, out of Montague, Michigan, doing a lot with uh, food plot fertilizer nutrition. Um, been a seed dealer for a few guys, and just trying to help guys with their food plots. Awesome. Well, it's nice meeting you today. Yeah, you as well. I mean. And uh, this is my first time being here, and this property is pretty awesome. I mean, they got a little bit of everything, and the layout's just pretty neat. Yeah, no, same here. My first time down, um, I'm I'm impressed. I uh, you know, I've watched all the meat eater stuff, and I follow all Mark's stuff, and had him on the podcast to talk about it a while back. But there's a lot more topography here than the one I'm used to. What are you guys seeing over there? You got deer? Yeah, there's a deer walking right down the trail over there. There you go. <laughs> We're in the right place. That's right. They smelled the fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually um, some good elevation change. I mean, a lot more than I had anticipated. A lot of southern Michigan is pretty flat, including my property, and this is this is not. So it's cool to be here, you know, following along for something for so long and coming out and being able to see it's pretty cool. Absolutely. So, Chad, uh, I guess give anybody a rundown who might not know what the heck we're talking about when we're talking about the back 40. Um, and, you know, you're obviously with the NDA, so let's hear about the purpose and maybe the property details. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, the NDA has a, a program uh, called Field to Fork, 
it's a food focused hunter recruitment program and uh, Mark Kenyon from Meat Eaters been a been a pretty big proponent uh, of that program and um, you know has talked about it a lot in his podcast and some other recordings and stuff and so uh, when Mark and Meat Eater purchased this property a couple years ago I don't think they had the intention of giving it to us back then but uh, as when the COVID stuff hit and nonprofits were were kind of struggling, um, I believe that's kind of when the idea has popped up to uh, have the meat eater donate this property. Uh, it's 64 acres, I think, in total. Um, Mark has worked on it for a couple of years, installing some food plots, tree stands, box blinds, switchgrass plantings, <coughs> uh, tree plantings and uh, some invasive species removal and uh, trying to re, uh, re-establish the native native prairie that's out here, uh, which you guys have seen is getting uh, choked out with uh, some autumn olive and, and um, some other invasive species. So the gift came with a lot of, con- you know, I say a lot, <laughs> it came with quite a few conditions. Sure. Um, actually a couple deed restrictions uh they wanted to see this property used to continue the field the fork program and so you know this is a great property and you're probably already wondering right do all us uh nda uh, branch board members and and state council members do we get to hunt this property well no we don't (laughs) (laughs) um so this property would be strictly used for uh, the Field of Fork program, which focuses, again, on a food-focused hunter recruitment program, is it's for adults. It's not to say that we won't bring kids out here, um, but this is really to, to focus on uh, adult hunters who want to, you know, become hunters. So, great place, right? Uh, 64 acres, we got about 40, maybe 35 to 40 acres tillable. And uh, so we'll continue with the food plots. We'll continue with native uh, vegetation management. And then um, uh, flowers, forbs, native grasses. As we look down below us, there's a nice black-eyed Susan staring up at us. Yep. Um, If you guys are listening, we're sitting up in a box blind about 10 feet off the ground. Um, Mark had installed some uh, honeybees, uh, some boxes up front. You guys probably saw when we came in. So we're trying to keep uh, keep those guys going, too. So we did a real heavy planting of uh, flowers and forbs up in that front field along the road. But, yeah, we're looking forward to getting. We've already taken uh, a, a new hunter out and got him his first turkey out here this spring. Awesome. So Corey and Drew. Yeah, Corey uh, and Drew, yeah. Took care of that. So we've got uh, that under our belt already. Yeah, that's a, that's a success. And I think a lot of the – I mean, there's a ton of diversity – that Mark and the team had already put in, or you guys already, in terms of switchgrass to wildflowers to, to birdhouses even to, you know, honeybees. I mean, it's really going to be a mosaic, I'd say, when it's done, um, or at least starting to mature in the habitat stage. Yeah, we didn't really want any monocultures out here. I mean, we do have some blocks of switchgrass monoculture for, uh, you know, deer bedding. Um, but everything, that probably only totals not even 10 acres of the whole property. So everything else is, yeah, going to be a real good, diverse mixture um, of plants and food sources for the wildlife. And I know that you kind of came up with, like a what do you call it, a planting plan, if you will, for all the fields. How much of those are remaining in, in a 
not quite a tillable uh, aspect because you're drilling the beans, but how much is that remaining in just a standard bean or, or corn planting versus, you know, the rest of what's out here, that 35 acres? So for this spring, we just did one destination food plot um, all in one field, uh, about four to five acres, and that's all soybeans mainly, and then um, we've mixed in some uh, corn and sorghum in a, in a few areas on that. And then for now, the rest of the property is just sitting in native vegetation uh, as far as the food plot areas go. Those other food plots we'll work on this uh, late summer for some fall food sources out here. Um, we are in quite a bit of a heavy ag area, um, but, you know, those those corn and beans are usually gone by late October. So uh, we'll put in some fall fall food sources for, for the deer. And we're going to be doing some late season hunts out here. I believe uh, the meat eater crew is going to be out here sometime in December, and we'll be sharing um, some hunts with them and with some new hunters. There's a... Um, Hopefully we'll have, you know, we got five tillable fields out here. Hopefully we'll have winter food sources and three to four of them so we can maybe hunt, um, you know, three to four hunters at one time out here during that late season hunt. Kind of looking forward to what we can do with these new, you know, liquid fertilizers. Um, I bet we can get some good tonnage out of some brassicas and, and uh, turnips out here. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And and before I, I get to that, I want to just make sure all the listeners know what the Field to Four program actually is. You touched on it there. Um, I guess if you if you can maybe dive into that for just a minute here and help everybody understand what what they're trying to do, what Meat Eater and NDA are trying to do with this with this property and this program, and what we're sitting here today, you know, helping work towards. You still love. The field fork, field of fork program again is the food focused recruitment program, and again it's for adults. You know, there's a lot of nonprofits that focus um, on youth events, and uh, those are all great events. But a lot of the university studies have showed that those youths are not coming and staying into the hunter, um, hunter mentality, or they're not staying into the hunter lifestyle. <clears throat> so they found that uh, because that youth then needs a parent that also enjoys the outdoors to keep them involved and have the funding to do that. So when you recruit adult hunters, those hunters tend to stay and be licensed purchasers. Sure. So that's where this program is, and it's it's backed by food, right? You show them how great a steak can be from a venison or a breast from a, a turkey. Um cooked properly, you know, that's as good as anything you can eat. So um, people have really gravitated to that, especially from some of the larger cities and inner cities. Um, you know, we've got some, some pretty interesting um, people that have, have now become hunters and, and licensed purchasers, which helps out land everywhere. Um, so that's it's where uh, the NDA is really focusing a lot of attention now, and, especially, and then having a property like this to be able to to take people because a lot of the a lot of the field of fort program you know once we put them through a two-day classroom event we're then going out on the public land with those hunters and trying to teach them how to manage and navigate their way hunting a property where five to a hundred other people are also hunting so having a private parcel like this is just we're incredibly fortunate to have this here in southern michigan so where there's lots and lots of hunters but um we're also doing, lots of deer, too. 
lots of deer, so there's no shortage yet for people to come out here. Um, you have to go through uh, the NDA or DeerAssociation.com. There's uh, a link there to to sign up to apply to be into this program. It's something else that we're running into a hard time getting is mentors. So we need people with properties that are able to mentor. So if anybody out there is listening that would like to mentor hunters or even have a property that would allow a mentor and a new hunter to come out on, you can go ahead and contact Hank Forrester at DeerAssociation.com. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a, that's a call out for anybody in, in the area. How, how close do they have to be, Chad, to, to this area? Because I told Corey I'd sign up. Uh, I thought my property might be a little too far north, but he thinks it might not be, so that's good. Uh, but how far can we expand that you know, circle? Well, for this property, or for Michigan, you know, we can have you can have properties all over the United States. Okay. So there's different uh, chapters of the National Deer Association that are doing this program all over the gotcha. United States. Gotcha. Turkey Federation is doing it as well. Um, so this is really going on all over uh, the United States. Okay, so reach out to Hank if you're not in southern Michigan or, or anywhere else, and he can help guide you to to become a mentor wherever you are. Correct. Got it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a proven program. You know, get some of these people, these adults, into it who have a little bit of money, have a vehicle where they can drive themselves hunting by themselves, um, give them a taste of what some private land can be like versus putting them out in public like I had to learn on. Yeah, right. And, uh, and it's just, you know, it hopefully gives somebody a, the whatever they need to keep going in this sport. So that's awesome. One of the best programs I've seen to actually recruit hunters, so. Exactly. I mean, this is an awesome piece and an awesome program that uh, fortunate to work with. I mean, this is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Brad and I both today are like, this is awesome. We're out here. <laughs> yeah. We're fired up. This is cool. Yeah, well, the yeah. mentor, I've mentored for two years now, and it's been, you know, I've been mentoring my own son and my own kids for five years, but it's very rewarding to be a mentor and see somebody harvest their first animal and the emotions and the shaking. You know, I mentored a guy this past fall on my own 10 acres, and uh, we hadn't, we've owned that property for six years. We live on it. And none of my family or I had harvested an animal on that whole property. So I brought this new guy out from the Muskegon area. And he got his uh, his first deer. Um, and it was, he was shaking like a leaf. He was 45 <laughs> years old and, you know, traveled around the country for his job. And he was so excited, and it's the, the yeah, the, it's very rewarding being a mentor. So we need mentors as well. Awesome. Well, hopefully we can grab a new mentor or two with this podcast. That'd be a goal, a good goal to try to achieve here. Um, but it's not the only reason we're out here today. Um, Brad, why don't you tell us, you know, what you're helping out here today? I know you did some soil testing, or maybe Chad did some soil testing, sent you the results, and boom, here we are. Yeah, yeah, he sent me the results, and... Um, he had used uh, the Plot Doctor products before and wanted to, you know, get me out here, kind of take a look and help with some amendments to where Plot Doctor kind of fits right in with what we're doing here, kind of going back to native and um, a little better inputs rather than just throwing some granular out when we're talking about the whole habitat, um, you know, really getting back to um, diverse plantings and kind of letting the soil do the work for us i mean that's kind of where we're the end goal is with the no-till more of a holistic approach if you will or yeah, a natural exactly. approach when you say granular you mean synthetic 
uh, pelletized fertilizer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the triple 19s, the triple 12s, um, just the big bulk granular fertilizer to where, um, you know, with us being carbon-based, that's really going to help the soil to get back to really doing the work for you in the long run. And once we start with that, just over time, that's just going to get better and better. Could you tell anything from the soil tests as to maybe what kind of program? So this property was last farmed about three years ago. Um, and so it was two years without any any amendments of lime or any kind of fertilizers. Um, Mark did some fertilizing, I'm assuming, and, and some of his food plots. But uh, can you tell anything about the soil sample, maybe the previous farmer? Well, and, and even before that, were they conventional tilling beforehand, do you know? Any idea at all? I believe it was conventional. And it's pretty sandy looking soil from what I've seen so far today. Not positive. Brad will tell us here on the soil test. Yeah, and you can tell immediately um, looking at the phosphorus, and you can see here, I mean, everything is very high for phosphorus. And what that basically will tell me just by looking at the sample is that over time there's been granular fertilizer applied to where it's not very efficient and it'll tie up in the soil. So you keep throwing your phosphorus out or, you know, I always keep using triple 19 just because it's a really popular one. But you keep throwing that out year after year. Well, a lot of that's getting tied up in the soil and that builds up and you can see that on your sample. And that's not necessarily a good thing because it's going to take a long time for that to actually break down and become plant available. So just looking at that test, you can see the phosphorus is super high. Um, even with potassium, it's kind of the same concept to where that's really high as well. Um, and one thing that really jumped out at me is the magnesium. I mean, the CEC numbers, it's, it's definitely sandy soil, but it's all really high magnesium. And as we're pulling in, you almost got stuck and just to where you get a little bit of rain on it, and it's just really slick, almost clay-like soils, and that's something that uh, needs to be addressed as well. I mean, a little bit of calcium there is going to go a long way as far as root development. Mm -hmm. So what is that calcium going to do with that magnesium or, or the root development? Help explain that a little bit. Okay, so having high magnesium soils, it's going to be really tight soils to where, like I was saying, with it's, it gets a little wet and it's really slick. Well, that calcium is going to help take the place of the magnesium in the soil and really help open it up to where you're going to have better air and water movement. It's going to give you uh, better micropore space for your roots to grow and be easier for your roots to grow. So just uh, small inputs of calcium will really help change those numbers and uh, base saturation percentages in a big way. And then the uh, phosphorus that's all locked up, how do, you, how do you attack that? And that's where, like, the no-till method, growing cover crops and, you know, really letting the soil break down and having the microbes convert that back into actual usable, soluble nutrition. Um, and that's where... Like with the plot doctor, we can go in with small rates. You know, we're looking, we just did a gallon an acre here um, just because it's protected so we don't have to worry about having that tie-up. But the carbon in that, that will just kind of help jumpstart your soils to where we can start unlocking those nutrients that are tied up over time. Yeah, it's like you were making a making like a stew or like a, a stew <laughs> recipe over there. You were going to Chad's sprayer and dumping a little of this, a little of that, and ended up that's all specifically tailored to the soil test that Chad sent you. Exactly, and that's where I like to, you know, spend a little time with the guy, and we kind of go over the soil sample, talk about the crop being planted, and then we can basically come up with a, here, here's your mix for that food plot with that crop, 
and it's not generic at all. We kind of really customize it so that way we're not having to put out more than we need or less than what we need in order to achieve the goals that we have. Yeah, so you're, so you're more efficient. This is all, for the most part, liquid, liquid yeah. foliar-based. Um, and and I guess, uh, you know, when you do a soil test, they tell you what to what to add to your to your property normally, your plots normally in granular, or maybe they don't really specify, I guess, just about pounds per acre is yeah, granular, right? granular. So, um, so then I guess, uh, what's the, tell us the difference or the advantages to a foliar fertilizer versus the granular, or why you're, you know, out here doing what we're doing today. Yeah, that's where, not only are we more efficient to where, I mean, we just covered roughly five acres um, with a gallon of the... Uh, about a half hour, maybe. Yeah foliar per acre. Uh, we did three pints of lime per acre. Um, I did eight ounces of calcium per acre. And it's like we just covered five acres, you know, with just a few gallons of product and no time at all. As hot and as humid as it is, we would have been humping, what, a hundred and some bags exactly. of lime. And then now the two, what we did, we wow. had uh, a jug. Unreal. Exactly. Um, uh, plus you had a little bit of rain, so you wouldn't have been able to spread triple 19 because it would have burned everything. Um, stick into the foliage like that. So there's a lot of advantages. Um, and you run into a lot, too, where it's not really an option to get a lime truck back in there or, you know, maybe you're just going in with a backpack sprayer rather than trying to haul a bunch of bags back to a remote little pot back in the woods. Um, the other advantage is that uh, we don't necessarily need rain in order to do what we need to do. I mean, we can bump up our gallons per acre when we're doing it after planting and really make a, a good application with that. Or, uh, like today, we could have just gone in with a foliar application with on the foliage with just some fertilizer, and that's something that you can't really do with granular. You're going to need the rain to wash that in, but we can come in right through the leaves and uh, really make a good um, good application and, and help those plants along. And you and I think you said you can't burn it, right? You can't burn the Correct. plant. Yeah, there's not going to be any burn just because there's no salt. Uh, it's, it's lower nitrogen, so where we're trying to really get the plants to do what we want with more of the carbon and making the soil go to work for us. Sure, sure. And I don't know, go back just a second. You said something about not having to haul in a bunch of bags and stuff to certain food plots way back in the woods or a lime truck not getting there. I mean, most of my food plots can't get a lime truck too. I haul back bags and, and do it all by hand, so um, it's pretty intriguing, you know. And you, you mentioned at breakfast, you can you can swing the lime or the the pH reading. Say you're at a four, what can you swing that to in one one application or one season, maybe? Yeah, and that's something that uh, we can really. I mean, there's a lot of different options and a lot of different scenarios, but for the most part, we can take a, a low pH soil and bump that up to where we want to be, you know, and. In most cases, that's going to be 6.5, maybe 7, somewhere in that area. We can take a low pH soil, bump that up to where we want to be in, you know, very short order, especially compared to talking 6 to 9 months with ag lime um, and a lot of the granular limes. We can do it in a very short order to where a couple weeks, um, depending on weather, of course, but we can make that change fairly fairly easy with, you know, just a couple gallons. And, and why is that? You, you also mentioned something earlier. You're, this is strictly like a lime concentrate, right? So remember how you talked about the, the I think you said a, a few percent in, a, in the ag lime versus this. Can you Do you have those numbers? Can you hit those numbers? Yeah, so uh, 
there's a few uni university studies out there, and it kind of goes into details about different um, mines and the lime that comes out of there. But on average, there's between 6 to 15 pounds of calcium carbonate per ton of lime. And that calcium carbonate is what's making the reaction in your soil in order to change your pH. So in the liquid lime, we're having that, um, you know, 14, 15 pounds of actual concentrated uh, calcium carbonate. So therefore, on average, we roughly are equivalent to a ton, and that's why um, that that's being said. So uh, again, it depends what mine it's coming out of, um, but the main thing is the particle size. Ag lime has a bigger particle size to where that's why it takes so long to break down, and that's also why it takes so long or has the longer lasting effects to where the liquid lime, we can change that pH very quickly, but then it's more of an annual application to where we're not going to get the, the lasting effects that you would with the ag lime. So it kind of comes down to the right tool for the right job. Um, I mean, obviously, if you can get a lime truck in, and I see some of the prices that guys are getting the lime truck in and being spread for, I get it. Um, that's going to be hard to beat, but in a lot of applications, that's not possible. So it's definitely trying to use the right tool for the right job and utilizing, you know, your time and, and effort as well. Sure, sure. Now, is that actually amending the soil itself when you're spraying the liquid lime on? Correct. Going down through the plant into the soil or is that on top of the soil being sucked down in? Yeah. We're, I mean, All the above? And that's why, like, the lime, um, the, the plot doctor dry, the calcium, that's really mainly right after planting where you're okay. spraying bare soil or pumping that on. And what we did today is definitely another option. Um, but that's where normally we'll come back and do an actual foliar ap application with Plot Dr. Foliar to where you're just kind of giving it a little bump um, nutrient-wise to where we already took care of most of the amendments up front okay. after planting. So just to, to clarify a couple things, we where we're sitting, we planted this. Um, it'll be three weeks tomorrow we planted this, so very early June. Um, and with just time constraints and stuff, we did not do any... Uh, soil amendments at planting time and so it's uh, you know we're all volunteers on this project so we got to do what we got to do so coming in now and doing it this way is we're not doing anything wrong is that right no absolutely I mean there, that's what's nice too it gives you a lot of flexibility to where you don't have to put it down beforehand and work it into the ground and get all that other stuff done beforehand in order to have success. Because we got soybeans now that are anywhere from an inch to six, eight inches tall. Mm -hmm. So the application is actually hitting the plant, and there's a lot of still exposed soil because the beans haven't canopied yet. Got it. So a lot of the, you know, that lime is still getting into the dirt as well. Exactly, and that's where, like, too, with the fertilizer, the foliar part, we're kind of working two ways there. We're getting in through the foliage, and then we're also... Um, going in through the root system with all the exposed soil that we do have. Sure, sure. So you added today into the tank, what were the things that you added, the four things, three or four things? Yeah, we added the liquid lime. Um, we did do some of the Plot Doctor dry just to help with some root growth, um, especially because we weren't able to get out at planting with anything. Um, and then we did the uh, Plot Doctor foliar and the calcium all in that tank. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, Chad, you had that thing all spread and covered in five acres in 
you know, a half hour maybe. Yeah, half mm-hmm. hour max. Maybe yeah. not even, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that John? Looks like it, yep. See your stuff here? Nope. Oh, yeah, he does, okay. Well, all right, well, um, are you going to come back again with this system this year? Or I know, uh, you know, when I've heard about these types of systems before, Nick, he's got something like this. You're you're at, I don't know if it's like this or not, but you're at a dirt. You spray it on the dirt, and then you spray it on the plants. Are you done now? Are you coming back again a third time? So we're done with the beans now. Um, okay. But we are going to come back and for the, fall? for the fall planting stuff where we, we haven't done anything yet. And that way we'll just apply basically right after planting. Um, again, taking a look at the soil sample and exactly Before germination? What crops. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's something that I really like to go in. I mean, you plant, call the pack, turn right back around, and spray us right on top. Wow. Um, it's really nice, depending on the setup, that you still can come back with a foliar application. Um, you know, depending on weather, depending on browse pressure, everything else, there's a lot of different scenarios to where you might want to come back, um, especially with brassicas, to where a lot of guys like to come back and throw some nitrogen on. Um, in that case, we could just come back and do the foliar and take care of that need. Okay, and you can also mix this with herbicide, right? Or what do you think it, about that? It depends. I like to spray them separately um, just because you're kind of doing two different jobs, so yeah. I like to keep them separate for that reason. Um, just because most guys are coming through and spraying herbicide, and then maybe a week later, uh, however long later, then you're coming back and planting. I'd still rather come back and spray right after planting if possible um, just to keep those separate. But because this stuff is so plant uh, available, I don't want to mix those normally. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I, I uh, interviewed um, Dudley Phelps at Mossy Oak, and we were kind of wondering the same thing. I told one of my clients, I'm like, I would I would spray them both separately. Just uh, That was my take on it before really researching into it. Dudley said you could probably do both, um, but he kind of agreed with the same thing you said. So it's kind of like, you're not going to hurt it if, if you do it, but it might be more beneficial to do it separately. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then it's so just question then. So can you do it the same day just with different two different applications? And I have that all the time. You have a guy whose property is three, four hours away, and he's there on the weekends. Well, if we can get there and spray Roundup Friday night and then plant Saturday, great. Um, it's not always the case. So I'll say, okay, that's fine. Go in, spray your herbicide in the morning. Just give it a few hours. Maybe go plant at night. That's fine. Would the reverse be better since you're using more gallons? You're trying to use more gallons per acre of liquid with your fertilizer to help get it in the plant? Or what's the what's so the right way to do? I still like herbicide first because as long as that dries on there, I mean, you know, you can take a look and read your labels to see exactly what the rain fastness is. But uh, that's where... I would still rather spray herbicide, and then most of the time you're going to be called to packing or crimping, um, rolling that over, so you're not really covering the whole plant then where that's going to be easily washed into the dirt and taken up by the plant that way. So say you've got, um, say you planted rye, vetch, and clover in the late summer, uh, early, uh, early fall, and you let that grow throughout the fall, in the spring, you let it grow and mature, trying to do maybe a, a, a buffalo system or a crimping system. And you've got a lot of 
uh, debris above the soil, are those uh, will this, if you've got a layer of rye and other cover crops on the dirt, you crimp that, you spray your products over top of that. Will that eventually get washed into the soil and do what it needs to do? Yeah, and that's where in that situation, I like to try to bump our gallons per acre of solution. So if you're out there spraying bare ground, um, 15, 20 gallons minimum is fine. But when we get into heavy fats like that, I like to try to bump that up. I mean, anytime you're spraying anything, the more water, the better. That's going to help carry that product and give you a better result. And especially where you have heavy thatch, if we can add more water initially and help wash that, at least get it to the dirt or wash that in as much as possible and then kind of let the, the rain take over from that point. Very good. So follow up to his question, uh, if you don't have a crimper or maybe you want to spray glyphosate in addition to your crimper just to be sure you get a good kill, how would you use your product with glyphosate at that point? Um, With the same planting that grew up all summer and you yep. terminate for fall planting, how would you do that? In, in what order of operation? So I would still probably spray first. Um, that's just how I like to do it. I'll spray first, and then if, I mean, you can mow, till, disc, um, run a drill through. Spray the herbicide first? Yeah, I would still spray the herbicide yeah, first. Yep. That's just what I like to do personally. Yep. Now, it's a little bit different if you're talking six-foot rye, you know, all that stuff, depending on how big that is, because no matter what, when it's that tall and thick, you're never going to get a really good kill to where you might want to take some sort of action prior to that. But generally speaking, when you're talking maybe rye two or three feet with everything else in there, I still like to spray first, then come through, do whatever method of planting you're doing, and then still spray afterwards. Spraying the the fertilizer, the fertilizer, kind of always be your last, always step. your last step. Yep. Okay. Okay. And then even um, that would be after you planted that. Correct. And then you do it again a second time after you have emerging. You don't have to. Okay. You don't a have lot to. of the times okay. we're just doing one and done. Oh, in the fall it was one and done. Yeah, and a okay. lot of times in the spring too. Okay. Um, it kind of depends on each person's setup. Um in their situation and that's why it's really nice because we can customize it awesome. if you want to come back with a foliar application we can and we can tailor that program to do that um or if you just want to do it all at planting we, we can do that as well awesome yeah it's great for guys that are in like you say two three four hours away from their property or even maybe more maybe they got a lease in ohio or yeah. iowa and you've got one chance to make the whole thing work right and exactly run out there with some you know, your ATV sprayer. And yeah, and I get that a lot. You know, guys, oh, I was up on my property last weekend, but with the weather I couldn't spread urea on my brassicas or what have you because of the weather. Well, we can still do that and get it, you know, at least get the product on, um, maybe change our gallons per acre a little bit or just do a foliar application, but it gives you a lot more leeway. Okay. What, el what else am I missing on the on the growing solution side or the plot nectar side? Um, I haven't asked yet. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's uh, I got seed carrying uh, Northwoods and Horny Buck seed, um, and that's something that basically it's it's really nice working with those guys because with them being so popular, I mean, it's just taking off. John's just killing it right now. But because I'm so familiar with those mixes, I mean, we basically have those programs dialed in to where I know, you know, exactly what we're going to need, exactly what we can look forward to. Um, 
and you know, just having that confidence with with those guys, it's it's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Chad, what else do you have planned this this fall out here on on the back forty, the NDA property here? What else are we uh, going to be doing and maybe recording or talking about or? Yeah, you're welcome to record when we have to move all these deer blinds. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that box out front. <laughs> the box stand in the box that Mark. I did see that, and the one laying next to it too. Yeah, so we got a couple field days out here, work days, I guess you would say for us volunteers, and then uh, getting some blinds put up. We're going to put a handicap accessible blind up. Uh, we got some more herbicide applications to make and soil amendments, so we can get ready for the fall food plots. Um, we're going to be doing some forestry mulching out here to, to start uh, working on some invasive species and enhancing this native prairie that we have that's on the uh, upland side of this uh, swamp that we're kind of looking down into right now. Um, and then we'll actually be ha- hosting a couple events out here for people to come out and see uh, what we're doing and whether they like bees or whether they like bluebirds with the bluebird houses out here. Um, it'll be something you know out here for everybody to kind of look at, and then we'll kind of button things up as far as big group tours or events out here. And I think by early September, and then we'll start with some uh, mentored hunts out here for the early doe season. Awesome, awesome. These these other events you said maybe a bluebird event or a honeybee event. Um, do you have any more specifics on those? And I guess maybe where should somebody follow along if they want to see those? Yeah, if you go to on the Southeast Michigan branch of the NDA's uh, Facebook page, uh, they have their event schedule there. Uh, this property was, is within their branch, so they're kind of spearheading the, the, the events that are out here um, as far as tours um, and learning demonstrations. Um, and then our national NDA, NDA offices is kind of handling all the mentored hunts out here well, in the Field of Fork program coordinating that with the meat eater crew um so yeah the 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 southeast branch nda facebook page is probably the best spot to keep up to date or just the deerassociation.com you can find it that way too awesome awesome and then yeah you know we're gonna continue to have some more um market updates from from you and, and the realtor land pro side of things throughout the summer and, and probably every quarter at least and, and keep the real estate thing going i know that's been busy um and then brad if, if anybody wants to come follow your stuff and, and check you out where can they find you yeah harper growing solutions on facebook um and then through that too there will be a link to my website on there and that gives you a few different options to kind of check out what we're doing and get a hold of me through that way. All right, guys. Well, this is awesome. This is the first podcast we've recorded in a deer blind where mm-hmm. I was there. Corey was in a deer blind out in uh, Missouri, so we recorded one with him when he was in a blind actually hunting. But this is, I got to say, a Trump set. Right. right out here. <laughs> All three of us here in the blind. This is, this is pretty neat. So, yeah, I'm excited to help follow along and, and help document some of the process for you guys and with you guys. This is great. And um, just thanks for inviting me out. Appreciate it. No, thank you. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't, 
been to our website, habitatpodcast.com. We have our Habitat property consultation services on there under the land plan tab. Check out our HP land plans there. We also have hats, T-shirts, and decals up at habitatpodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes. And then we have a new Habitat Podcast journal where you can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, you know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. We have Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Packer Max Cultipackers, Huntwise, Killer Food Plots, Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty and Auction, and Morse Nursery. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. Yeah.